And the more you get your eyes open to the spiritual world around us, the darkness and the evil of Satan and his powers of evil, the more we realize that we are at great, in great danger in this lost world. And likewise, the Lord has repeated to us words of rest. In the book of Isaiah in particular, there are the many statements where the Lord says, Fear not, fret not thyself of evildoers. And this is because when you're a Christian, you have a very sensitive nature. Did you ever notice that? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining with us here today on this program. This is the ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church to bring you the gospel, the message of salvation by the blood of Jesus, the one who suffered on the cross to bring us the gift of eternal life. And today we're going to preach on Jesus, the door to heaven. Jesus said, I am the door. He, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And that's the great hope and the great message of salvation that we want to present to your heart even here today on this program, Let the Bible Speak. We have a hymn today as well, and we have a message on Philippians 2, verse 8, where the Lord Jesus uh, took upon him our nature humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. And of course, as we come up to the Easter season, we want to emphasize the message of the cross, the death, the suffering of our Lord Jesus in our place to redeem his people and purchase us the gift of eternal salvation. So stay tuned as we let the Bible speak today from the pulpit of our church here in Cloverdale. This is Ian Gallagher. They're not the words even of John who wrote this epistle. He's quoting the Savior. Jesus says here in verse 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You say, well, that's the the gospel story, and maybe this is a bit of a parable, and it's not true, but maybe you're thinking that parables are a wee bit poetic, and they need to be interpreted, and there's a lot of leeway and liberty how you can interpret such statements. When the Lord's talking about sheep, are you sure he's talking about Christians? And, uh, you know, you, you, you build up your confidence in these things when you, when you study the whole Bible and you bring the light of the Bible to bear on them. But let me bring you to another text that teaches it very, very clearly. 1 Peter 1.5, the epistle of Peter, uh, first epistle, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. I just want to give you a good biblical basis here to lay this truth, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's the idea of reservation and preservation. There's the idea of keeping. That brings us back to the shepherd's work. He can keep your soul. Now, you think of what you might have to face in the future. 
we're all growing older and growing weaker. Our minds may never be sharper than they are now. In fact, our minds may fail us. Maybe one day I'll not be fit to come to this pulpit and preach the Bible. I'll be too confused. You don't want to come to church to listen to an old, senile, demented preacher. You would say that man's not fit for the pulpit. Why would you go to listen to him? Some might argue, well, he's been doing it for 40 years. Let him go on. No. Our minds may fail. Our ability to reason and think. Our situations will change. We will come to that part of life where we will not be capable of many things. What will happen to our soul then? And that's why and we need the assurance of this doctrine that the Lord is the keeper of our souls. And none shall pluck them out of my hand. Nothing. Let that sink into your heart. And so if you're not a Christian today, we're not offering you some temporary fix-it or feel-good religion. We're offering you the way of salvation that is eternal, sure and certain. And through all the changes of life that every one of us will face, will stand us in good stead for all eternity. And that's the salvation that you need. I will also point out that there is behind the gospel the whole power of the Trinity. This gospel is not just the work of Jesus. It is the work of the Father. Now, we're back in John 10, 28. You'll notice verse 29, he goes on to say, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. There is the work of the Son, the work of the Father. You might ask, where's the work of the Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit comes in to seal us. He indwells us, and he has promised that he will never leave nor forsake. And so this truly is eternal salvation. Now, in this world where people are looking for certainty and hope, we have the greatest message in the world. That's why Christians get excited about preaching the gospel. That's why we want to be evangelists. That's why we want to tell you the good news, because there is a Savior. He's the door to heaven. And if any man enter in, he shall be saved, it is certain. Going on a little bit in this text, and you'll notice what I'm doing. I'm just reading this verse statement by statement. We're told here in John 10 and verse 9, I am the door. Uh, there is the Lord saying there's only one door. By me, if any man enter in, there's the scope of all that may come. He shall be saved, that's certain, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The life of the sheep, which is safely folded and rest by night, he goes out to the pasture by day. And like the needs of sheep, there are two very necessary things in the life of a Christian. The first one is rest. Sheep are not scavengers. They're not hunters, but they are very easily worried. Sheep are worrywarts because of their vulnerability, because they are unable to protect themselves. And likewise, the children of God are filled with many fears. And the more you get your eyes open to the spiritual world around us, 
the darkness and the evil of Satan and his powers of evil, the more we realize that we are at great, in great danger in this lost world. And likewise, the Lord has repeated to us words of rest. In the book of Isaiah in particular, there are the many statements where the Lord says, Fear not, fret not thyself of evildoers. And this is because when you're a Christian, you have a very sensitive nature. Did you ever notice that? Maybe you've witnessed someone who's become a Christian. You think of their old life. They could laugh off almost anything. It was the guffaw of the ignorant. He didn't even realize the evil they were mixed up in. They laughed it off. But now that they're born again, now that they are the child of God, now that they read the Bible and pray, there are things that greatly alarm and greatly challenge the tender spirit of the Christian. The Christian can be very sensitive to criticism. We hear the mockery of the world. We hear the laugh of the ungodly, and they taunt and tease and say, Ha! Huh? How could you be a Christian? How could you claim to walk with God? We know you, and it drives you to your knees. The Christian's also very sensitive to failure, and we know our failures. You see, we don't claim to be perfect people. We're just sinners saved by grace. We're just striving to be more and more like our Lord. And we know it won't finally happen until we enter glory. But in this world, we're never content with ourselves in the sense that I need to be changed more and more into the likeness of the Lord. And Christians have good days and bad days. And sometimes our mouth is in gear before our mind's in gear. We say the things we shouldn't say. And maybe we become inconsistent. And we have to go back and explain it and correct it and make it right. And it's because of grace in the heart that we want to do so. We're also sensitive to letting down our guard and marring our testimony. There is the fear of being overcome with evil. That's real to us. And that again is grace. That's not the mark of an old nature. That's the mark of the new nature. That's the mark of the new birth. I don't want to go back to the old life again. I don't want to fall. I don't want to grieve my Lord. I don't want to be like Peter who denied his Lord three times and ended up in bitterness with tears because he followed afar off for a while. And all of these things play on the Christian's heart and life. And yet the Lord comes to us and he says, Fear not. I am with thee. And that's the voice of the shepherd calming the heart of the believer. You see, all these things are real to the Christian. And we're saying to you that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, he will do that for you too. He will be your shepherd to give you rest. The other need of the sheep is food. And that's why they're led out into the green pasture by day. And after the night is over, the shepherd returns and he leads the sheep and he calls them by name. Now, to complicate things a little bit, sometimes there were several shepherds who kept their sheep in the same fold with one porter watching the door by night. It's probably more cost effective. The more shepherds could keep their sheep in the same fold with the cost of one night watchman 
And so in the morning, you would have the shepherd appearing at the door, and he would call the sheep by name, and they would recognize their own shepherd's voice. And those sheep belonging to him would file out after the shepherd all the way to the pasture for the day. Now, if you know sheep, they are insatiable feeders. They're always eating by daylight. They never stop. And they spend the majority of their daylight hours grazing and foraging for something. And the eastern shepherd led them out to the best pasture he could find. What a great picture of the Lord dealing with us. The mark of the newborn Christian is that you are hungry. Hungry for truth. Hungry for righteousness. Hungry to walk with God and follow Him. And you hear His voice. And you follow Him. You want to be His disciple. And you're going to trust Him to feed you for the day. And what a great experience as a Christian to be enjoying the Bible, the food of your soul, when the Lord is speaking to your heart. Now, the Lord has given you His Word, this Bible. This is our food. This is our green pasture. And as we grow in grace and as we go on in the Christian life, we can only say that the pasture gets sweeter than the day before. We enjoy our Bibles more today than ever before. It is now the mainstay of our life. And there is the secret work of the Holy Spirit enlightening, helping, guiding, and giving us understanding of that word, because the Lord feeds the flock. And every preacher knows those that are hungry. Every preacher knows. They can't come often enough. They never tell you the sermon was too long. Well, maybe they have some appointment and they are watching the clock, and you can see people getting a little bit antsy, uh, wondering where they go. Now, it's a good thing the clock's down there and not up here, isn't it? <laughs> There's a reason for that. The clock's to help me. Uh, the, I'm not going to say the sheep. The, the, the hearer shouldn't have his eye on the clock. But we know when people are hungry, and we know when they love the Word, and we know when that Word is doing them good, and we know when we see them grow and blossom as believers in the Lord Jesus. This is all grace. This is all the work of the shepherd. He shall go in and out and find pasture. And of course, our prayer as a church and me as the pastor is that there is always food for your soul. It has to be that when you come to God's house to worship, that there is this miracle work of, of preaching. And it is a miracle. It's an extraordinary thing. It's beyond man. How can I possibly sit in my little study with my Bible open and whatever helps I use and, and understand the needs of, of every hearer in the congregation, the father, the mother, the children, the grandparents, all ages, all people of various walks of life? And how can I possibly understand the heart needs of your soul. 
And the miracle is that as we give ourselves to this Word, and as we expound this Word, and as we apply this Word, as we know it to be the Word of God, that there is the secret work of the Spirit beyond the preacher. And it is the Spirit working in your soul, and that is food for you, and it is the right message for your own heart. And that's why as I stand at the door, I can have people saying to me, you know what? That was just for me. And then a minute later, someone else, that was just for me. And I know that they're talking about two different, whole different issues. But it's God's way of feeding. And the Lord has ordained the food. And he has ordained the satisfying of the hungry soul. One last thought today. Any man who wants this spiritual life may use the door. It says here, if any man enter in. If any man enter in, the door is amazing wide. There's a width to the door of the invitation. If any man enter in, there is no restricted access here. Now, if you go to Buckingham Palace, you're never sure you're going to get in. It's quite unlikely that you will. If you go to 24 Sussex Drive in Ottawa, well, I'll let you in unless you have a personal invitation. But this door... This door of the gospel, this door of the Son of God is open to you 24-7 to all who will enter in. And so this gospel, the commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm to preach to you. And there's not a soul here that I'm to restrict. Indeed, I'm to bid you to access through the door. Come, make use of the door. If you refuse the door, will you be... Surprised to be refused the way to heaven? If God has ordained the way to enter in and you refuse to go through the door, can you be surprised that you got your way, which was to refuse the door? No, this door is amazingly wide. The question is, are you a man? You notice how the Lord put it here? Any man. By me, if any man enter in, are you a man? I'm saying this because it's not to angels. If any angel come, he can't be saved. Fallen angels cannot be redeemed. Angels that have rebelled against God can never be restored. They're lost. Lost. The death knell of their lostness rings for all eternity. And souls who will not use the door are lost. And to die without Christ is to be lost. But those who use the door... If you're a man, if you're a man. Now you might say, well, boy, our preacher doesn't believe that ladies are going to get into heaven. No, that's not the point. Are you a child of Adam? Are you a member of the human race? Are you one that is plagued by sin? You have original sin that you inherited the guilt from Adam. You have committed sins. There are sins you've committed and sins that you have omitted. Crimes that you've committed just by your passivity. Have you loved the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Why do we need this door? Because we need to be saved. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Did you notice that word in the text? Some people think this is just old-fashioned gospel preaching of days of yore. doesn't apply in the 21st century. These are the words of our Lord Jesus. He shall be saved. And it's put in the 
masculine term because it applies to all humanity, men, women, boys, and girls. And if you are a son of Adam, you're invited, and you need to be saved, and you need to come, and you need to repent and turn to the Lord, and you will be saved. That's the happy, wonderful message. How do I know this? Well, I know the shepherd. You see, I went in through this door myself. There was an evening that I heard the gospel preached, and I heard what became the irresistible call to my heart, and I had to surrender myself and come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I did. I've tried the door, and it works. The Lord has saved me. The Lord has changed me. I could hardly recommend this door to you if I hadn't entered through it myself firstly. You know, the best salesman in the world is the one who drives the car he's trying to sell. And the best preacher of the gospel is the one who knows the Savior himself. That's why angels are never sent to preach the gospel. But converted sinners are. I recommend you this way today because the Lord has saved me. One door and only one, and yet its sides are two. I'm on the inside. On which side are you? If you're not saved today, I bid you come, enter the door, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. You shall be saved. There's no doubt about it. And you will be able to preach this gospel too. Maybe not from a pulpit, but from your whole life. And for all eternity, to tell the story of the Savior's love for you. May God bring you to the door today and save you. You're listening to Let the Bible Speaks. Thank you for staying with us right through the program. We have a little text here, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, where it is said, And being formed in fashion as a man, he, the Lord Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Death on a Roman cross was the lowest form of humiliation. Jesus could go no lower to demonstrate his interest in saving sinners. We know this, for the death of Jesus included more than the pain of cruel cuts, brazen bruises, troubling thorns, and a series of suffocation. It also involved drinking the cup of God's wrath. During the three hours of darkness, when man was shut out from Calvary, Jesus underwent hell for his people. Satan was there, and all the forces of hell battled against the Son of God. 
Devils and their millions seethed at the one who came to set sinners free from the kingdom of darkness. God the Father was there too, as the judge of all the earth. He meted out inflexible justice in its demand for full payment for man's sin. Once Jesus became loaded with the sins of his people, for God made him, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, he became the object of God's wrath and indignation. In the mysterious merge between God's love and his righteous indignation, it pleased the Father to bruise him. God took the sword of justice and ran it through his Son. Because the wages of sin is death, nothing less than the ignominious death of God's Son on that cruel cross would satisfy God's justice. Praise God, divine justice was paid out in full. Jesus, we are told in this text, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ came into the world to do his Father's will. He came to be the Savior of sinners. He said it himself, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. It was the work the Father had given him. There were no options and no alternatives. Jesus, therefore, set his face as a flint to go to Jerusalem knowing full well all that would befall him there. Now, through the obedience of one man, many are made righteous. When Jesus was on that cross, he suffered as our second Adam. He was our representative man. It was appointed of God that one should die for millions upon millions of souls. As the appointed servant of the Father and the perfect Savior of sinners, Jesus was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Dying for me, dying for me. There on the cross he was dying for me. Christ on the cross was obedient for me. He suffered the loss of his life on the tree. Payment he made for sin, not his own. Now God's wrath for me is all gone. Won't you join me in this blessed experience of trusting the Lord Jesus with your soul? Won't you give him your heart? Won't you come and sing this dying for me, dying for me there on the cross? He was dying for me. That's the grace of salvation. And I cannot rest until you have that peace and that blessed assurance in your soul that Jesus died for you. And you can have that by praying the sinner's prayer and calling on the Lord to be your Savior. If you would like to talk with me or exchange thoughts, give me a call or send me an email. I look forward to hearing from you. Now stay tuned for these closing announcements. 
You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.